Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to Good do to... this again. Ready to yes. go. Another Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. as we broadcast first on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco. Go ahead. Donate to their Patreon. Go ahead. Donate to their Venmo account. Donate at Venmo is, is at Muni Radio. Uh, you can go to muniradio.fm and you can click and find the Patreon link there. Uh, we are here every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. East Coast Time. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, and we are also a podcast with the acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, as we mentioned up front. And we're also on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube and just get it carte blanche. Carte blanche? Blanche. Carte blanche. Separately, but with the with the video set up. Uh, yeah, you don't have to sync up the our yeah. audio to your real YouTube. We did it for you. Check yeah. out L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T on YouTube. Because L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T is let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. So you're going to listen to our podcast and watch a movie in real time for its entirety right now. Uh, but unless you're watching on the pod, if you're watching on YouTube, Carl's already said the movie up. Easy peasy. I handled uh, it. Yeah. we Listen, if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the movie, you're not doing it properly. You're That's not right. getting the full experience. Nope. Absolutely. We are parasites, and we must harvest off the carcass of uh, actual <laughs> entertainment to... <laughs> To, to to call attention to ourselves for two hours a week. <laughs> so we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We want you to go to YouTube, find the movie, and watch it with us. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week we are watching The Fantastic Four, 1994. The Fantastic uh, Four, 1994. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. And the channel we like is Actors Filming. It's Actors Filming. Yeah, it's not cameraman cameramen acting it's actors filming is the channel we like you can tell it's a good movie right now because no director actually filmed this movie <laughs> all right so go ahead and type in fantastic Four 1994 look for the uh, version yeah, hosted by acting actors, actors filming filming yeah not we acting did... filmers well, we... actors I was going to say, this is the second time our show has done it. This is the first time with Carl, and the uh, first time since there's more information available about this film. So we're really excited to watch it again. It was on YouTube. Uh, you know, you start off a show called Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. You go straight to the heavy hitters. You go to the 1994 Fantastic <laughs> Four. I don't know. You look for the Chuck Berry video. You look for everything you could possibly look for. And uh, it was on YouTube, and then it got yonked, and now it's back on. Yeah. Been on for a while. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so it's great. We're going to revisit this episode. And I should say, with every bad movie, the joy is experiencing it and talking about it. So if other people have talked about this movie, it's just, what can we say? It's a great bad movie. It's on YouTube. That's the premise of our show. We like, you know, I read about this <laughs> infamously, and uh, now I got to see it. So we're going to go ahead and see it. So go to Fantastic Four 1994. Find the version from hosted by actors filming, hit pause, move the meter to zero, zero, zero. And at the count of three, when you hear go, press go. Now, you're going to hear go from our special 
comedian, celebrity, comedian, countdown person who may not even be a comedian and may not even be hosted by Carl. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Chris Gore. Sure. Chris Gore. Welcome, Chris. You guys are very enthusiastic. I, I haven't had my morning coffee. So <laughs> I just put well, a second pot. Today we're watching Fantastic Four, 1994, the Roger Corman mega blockbuster, right? And the reason we've got you on is in the service of Film Threat uh, magazine, you were on set for the entire filming, right? All 21, 25 days, was it? Uh, for most of the shooting, yes. It was around the holidays at the end of the year, but I was there, yeah. Now that's unusual, really. Is that because it was gonna be a cover story you spent so much time? Uh, well, it ended up being a cover story. So I was on the set for filming and, and yeah. Um, the, the reason that they needed to start shooting before the, before the end of the year was because contractually, if they hadn't started shooting a movie before the end of the year, they would, you know, they would have lost the rights to the Fantastic Four, this German company. Yeah, so they were, it was so quick to... This, yeah, this German company hired Roger Corman to just make a Fantastic Four movie that they had no intention of ever releasing. Unbeknownst to everyone working on the movie, yeah, uh, they thought they were making the Fantastic Four movie and they were super excited. I was excited because the Fantastic Four is, I mean, it's my <laughs> gateway comic book. It's between that and Batman, it's the, you know, two comic, you know, uh, franchises that I love the most. So when I heard they were going to film, I, I said, I want to be there because I had just done a story on a movie called Carnosaur, which was Roger Corman's ripoff of Jurassic Park. So, um, so that would just sort of led me to being on the set being almost the entire time, the entire shoot, which now I don't, we I, did uh, Carnosaur short. on this podcast also. And we, it was horrible, horrible film, terrible. That's what, I'm in it. I'm in it. It's horrible. Are you really? Yeah. Are you? Where, I mean, where it, are you? I am in the scene where these two characters are loading cages of, right. I think, chickens uh, onto a truck. Yes, towards and the beginning. I, and I, my line is, I changed it. I said, can you give me a hand with, the line was, can you give me a hand with this? And I said, can you give me a hand with this load? Just because I wanted <laughs> right. to say the word load. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it I did worked. it for every take and it's in the movie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to so, have to watch it again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So the the uh, filming of uh, uh, Fantastic Four took place in some of the same settings that uh, Carnosaur took place, and I understand that this building was condemned with rats in it and a cat that would chase the rats. Do you have any story about the condemned building? Your experience uh, there? I don't. I never saw any rats, but it was pretty ugly, and I did notice because I was on the set for Carnosaur. We did a story about that. Then I was. You know, it's like, oh, they're just recycling the same sets for the Fantastic Four, <laughs> which was weird. It's like, and they barely repainted it. It's just like, I will throw some stuff up there on the wall and this and whatever. You know, he didn't seem to care. What I do remember is, is that um, if I recall correctly, like Roger Corman's famously cheap. I mean, uh -huh. he's famously cheap. And I, I, I interviewed him once and I got him to pose with a penny. So <laughs> he's holding a penny up to his eye. And we had a photographer take a picture of him holding a penny just to kind of show how cheap he was. And I do recall that when I was working, I was hanging out on the set and whatnot, 
that someone was let go for buying name brand soda. Like you can't buy like Coke or Pepsi. You had to buy like whatever the low brand, like local grocery store brand of Coca-Cola was like whatever, you know, generic brand snacks, like don't get fancy snacks, you know? So I, I thought that was really funny. That's like, that's, that's how, how much he was pinching pennies. Now, we saw the uh, documentary Doom to prepare our research for the film. And in it, you talk uh -huh. about how, like, at first you were very giddy to be on the film. I mean, you were a fan, you know, but as time yeah. moved on, you started to realize this was going to be a B movie. Yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of the sad realization, especially when I saw the costumes, right? It's like, here they're in their Fantastic Four costumes. And it's literally felt fours glued onto these spandex it was literally just spandex where you know they're shooting with certain angles to not show how haphazardly those costumes were assembled the other thing was <clears throat> we did a, a cover photo shoot for film threat <clears throat> with all of the four characters right the main four and <clears throat> what i loved was their enthusiasm the actors alex hyde white who actually ended up being in the third indiana jones movie who's an established actor who now does voice acting. Alex does voice acting for, uh, he does he does a lot of voiceover for audiobooks. Great guy, great guy. And Alex Hyde White, he was just so earnest about this part. He cared uh -huh. so much about it. And looking back on the movie, it's probably the most accurate incarnation, at least to Stanley and Jack Kirby, what they had intended to do with the Fantastic Four, just in tone felt like, oh, this is like the first hundred issues that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did of the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, so, so, So that was great aspect. And the, the earnestness of everyone involved with the exception of, I think, Roger Corman, who was just concerned <laughs> with like, let's just get this done and do it cheap. The thing that was really sad was we did a photo shoot. So we had like all four characters, right? And we put them against the set and I hired this photographer shooting and um this is a story that i told that didn't make it into the documentary by the way this is like a bonus feature here but the actress i believe her name is rebecca staub yeah she yeah. played sue storm invisible girl and this let's just say that these spandex outfits left nothing to the imagination <laughs> and there was serious camel toe that had to be touched up to put, you know, to be able to put this photo on the cover of Film Threat. I don't think she was wearing underwear. Okay, so, so post-production, you had to... We had to touch up those photos so as not to be uh, graphic. And, and um, you know, I remember, like, we're, we're shooting this, and I'm looking, I'm going, like, I don't know, is it, this could be a problem. We're going to have to put text over that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to have to cover it up in some way. So... Wow. Yeah. Now, in the plot, Sue makes the outfits. Do you think that excuses their cheapness? Right, they're homemade. Well, yeah. It's it's it is an excuse to excuse to you know make make them you know, and that's actually right out of the comic book, by the way, mm -hmm. which I mm -hmm. which I thought was great. But yeah, I guess you can excuse the cheapness, and yeah, she should not have been a seamstress. Yeah, Sue right. Storm <laughs> should be you know she should be you know a girlfriend who you know will just go away. Can just go away when she turns invisible. You can just disappear. 
right? That was Kirby's attention, I'm sure. Perfect. I guess, I guess. I don't know. But I, I, you know, like, look, I was a super fan. I'm like, the fact that, you know, I was living in a time where there was even a Fantastic Four film being made. I mean, look, yeah. you have to think, this was, this was the 90s, right? Like, we're now living in a time, Spider-Man. we're now living in a time where we have the luxury of complaining about the latest Disney Plus series when who knew that there'd ever be a Hawkeye show or a Boba Fett show, right? Like, it's like, now there's like so much geek stuff that it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of crappy geek, geek stuff now. But back then it was few and far between. It'd be like a couple movies a year, maybe a TV show. So I was ecstatic, like, oh my God. And um, yeah, so so it was, it was for me, like it was like summer camp, you know, because my responsibility was, you know, hey, I'm not making the movie, right? I don't right. work for You're Mormon. And I was just there as an observer to do a story about it. And they compliment you in the Doom documentary, too. Now, I was a big fan of the comic book, uh, yeah, especially, yeah, the 60s one. And and don't you think things should have been a little bigger, right? Broader shoulders, stockier, thighs, huger. Chris, what, didn't what was the thing costume like in real life? Like, did it look cool? It looked um, Well, it was weird because the actor who played Ben Grimm was taller than the actor who was in the thing costume. Yeah, yeah. But the thing costume in real life actually looked pretty good, like... Like the um, Optic Nerve Studios was the studio that that did you know the practical effects on on the film, and they really put their heart and soul in it. I mean, yeah. soul into it. I mean, for them, I'm mean, sure they didn't make any money. I mean, like I know they were paid, but at the end, I guarantee they didn't really make weren't weren't paid what what you know the time that was put into it. And I think that they looked at on it as like, well, this is going to be this is for us going to be like a portfolio piece, right? Like, and they really, really just put a lot of effort in that costume. They tried to make it accurate to the Kirby comics. And I I would say that it's more accurate than the, you know, other Fantastic Four film that came out later. And then the one that came out, you know, more recently uh, directed by Josh Trank. I mean, like those are just sort of weird interpretations. Theirs is the most accurate to the comic book. And to the comic book is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the brow and everything, like they got that right. It it, it moved, you know, in certain places, and so you know, it's a lot of it is how you photograph it. But I actually <laughs> thought that was one of the things that worked out really well with it was that costume, the way that that character was portrayed. Now that guy was Carl Cafalio, and he was a huge yeah. stunt man. He went on to so much work and did so much work before it. But he reports that the suit was the hottest thing he's ever worn. Did you see him struggle with it? Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. He he had problems with it, right? Like it was, you know, I mean, you sign up to be a monster in a costume. That's yeah. what you're going to be, You right? should know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, you're the yeah. thing. Now they report there was no rehearsal. They just started rolling. There was more like about blocking. Did you see what did you have an impression like uh this is a little rinky dink here? I mean, I think when you look at it on screen, I think it came out okay. I think some of the acting was strong. Yeah, like if it was if it was a movie that was made for television, I think that it would like, oh, this is pretty decent. You know, they they tried to remain faithful to the comic and faithful to the characters as they were, you know, portrayed in the comic book. I'm fearful that this they keep talking about a new Fantastic Four movie. I think I think based on sort of the direction that Marvel's going, I think it'll be pretty awful. Uh, mm. I really don't have a lot of faith in it, but this is, this was, but if this were a movie to be released in theaters, I think it would be kind of lackluster. I mean, 
you know, Johnny Storm doesn't really even turn into fully the Human Torch until the very no, no. end of the movie. Right. One sort of last shot that was very early digital, like before digital effects were really a thing, right? I like, think it looked okay. It was fine for the time. There just wasn't enough of it. And and I think they knew that. You could tell from the script that it was kind of anemic. Like they were writing around having to do special effects, right? So um, that was sort of a, that was a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also, um, I heard that Stan Lee was on the set. Did you meet him? What was his yes. attitude like? Was he? Yes. I, he, I mean, Stan is, I mean, you know, if there's something going on, Stan Lee's going to, going to be there and be a part of it. So yeah, he was on the set, but it was more just a glad hand. And yeah. I think that gave people confidence too. Yeah. Because, like it was you know, an endorsement. Yeah, it was definitely an endorsement, and I'm sure that Stan knew about the rights situation, that it was really about this German company holding on to the rights, uh, you know, so so what can you say? But, but you know, that was, this is pre, like, Marvel being Marvel, right? This yeah. is Stan Lee just, like, trying to get something going. I think Blade was really the first breakout of a Marvel character that was put on screen that was successful. I mean, there were, there were you know, there were television attempts that were yeah. pretty decent there like was the Captain Hulk show America on a bike right on a motorcycle yeah, yeah right. all, the Hulk, Captain America movie don't remind me but then there was also like the television series there was um Spider-Man you know, there was the Bill Bixby Hulk show yeah. with Lou yeah. that was fun it wasn't like you know it wasn't the Hulk that we have now for Marvel right but it was hey it was it was a tragic fun sort of you know Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story right and then there was the nicholas hammond spider-man show right in the 70s which nicholas hammond by the way has a cameo at the end of spider-man no way home oh, oh. he's hey. in it everyone talks about oh toby mcguire andrew garfield hey i noticed nicholas hammond was <laughs> in it so nicholas hammond is in the in at the very end of spider-man no way home uh uh you see they're in they're in the diner and you know Peter Parker goes to visit MJ and observes MJ talking to a patron at the donut shop, and that's Nicholas Hammond. Gotcha. No Nic kidding. Nicholas Hammond also played the director who directed um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, we... So Quentin Tarantino put him in there, and he plays the director who directs the Western, and he's kind of trying to coach, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's kind of so. neat. neat. So, so uh, there was a uh, two-part Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, on the television show that they stuck together and, and released in Europe as a as a feature. Yeah, uh, and we it. saw that on this show. That was a lot of fun, you know. Wow. Yeah, cheap. It was good. Now, was... I believe that Roger Corman had every intention to release this film, and it wasn't until he got the phone call from Avi... The Marvel guy, that was the first second that he said, okay, we're not releasing this, right? Do, do you agree? Yeah, I think that the, I don't know that their intention was ever to release it. I think their intention was to shoot it, and, and that was it. I mean, obviously, I got a bootleg copy of it years later, yeah. but I also did a thing where we, um, we took the cast of the Fantastic Four, like all four of them did a signing at the film threat booth in at San Diego Comic-Con and it flooded the aisles. I think we sold like 2000 issues of that comic. A lot of people had already haven't had an issue of it. 
and they signed every single one. That's and uh, the cast was great. I th- the year later that Comic-Con did a rule, like, we have to have an autograph area. We can't have people <laughs> clogging up the you aisles. guys did that. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's um, that's now, one. No, it, oh, anyway, so that was, that was like a delight to like have them all there. And th- what was weird was just how enthusiastic those, those main actors were. You know, I saw that in that documentary that the enthusiasm of the crew, like they did everything. They promoted the hell out of that movie at every convention. They were the voice of that movie. And, you know, a fan like myself. Yeah, on their own dime. And like a fan like myself would get excited because there really is such a thing and there's such enthusiasm to it. I mean, I was excited, you know, like I like I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would, you know, there'd be a Fantastic Four movie made. Like, (laughs) what the hell? Like, that's crazy. I remember reading the comics, uh, you know, at 11 years old, 10 years old, thinking they should make these into movies. You know, why aren't they doing that? You know, they had the cartoon show. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, there was the animated Fantastic Four cartoon. There were two of them, one in the 60s, which used the Human Torch. And then another one that came later. Yeah, it was in the late 70s. Right. They had Herbie the Robot because they were afraid kids were going to light themselves on fire to be a Human Torch, which... I guarantee you Marvel is going to address that in some way. Like they're trying to figure out how do we do the Fantastic Four and not like have kids light themselves on fire. And then how do you make it practical? Like, okay, if he ignited himself on fire and was in the kitchen that I'm in right now, that would probably destroy and melt the kitchen. He could, you know what I mean? Like, there's just sort of practical real world things. Okay. If you're going to have these characters now exist in the real world, how do they, how does it work? Now, did Film Threat go on to do an article to cover the fact that Fantastic Four would not be released? Did you follow up? Well, the, the, we never did because we could we could never get any answers, right? Uh-huh. You know, we did that cover story, and I remember um, uh, I, I, I remember Tony Timpone from Bangoria Magazine called me out of the blue and said, "Ah, oh, you really scooped this on that one," because I been doing stories where because I was in Hollywood I could just go to the sets of these movies and we covered Carnosaur and you know we just we're getting access to like low budget indie movies which is kind of film threats bread and butter I mean we cover independent film right so I mean Roger Corman is an independent filmmaker yeah and they went to Troma too uh, at first Troma said no right I mean the documentary taught me that right right so so, uh, you know, but we didn't know. I mean, we just did the story and I wanted to be very comprehensive. I grew up reading Cinefantastic magazine and Starlog and, and uh, you know, Fangoria. And, and I read all those magazines as a kid. I was, I was a magazine junkie <laughs> at, a, at, you know, at the time at, in that era. And I think at one point I had 50 magazine subscriptions. This is before yeah. the internet. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Before That's the internet. Right. And just so people who may not know magazines are like the internet, but on really thin slices of wood and yeah. you can read them. <laughs> That's a good way to well, say you, it. You know, this podcast that's, that's exists. Exact for, yeah. We, we we're doing this podcast because I used to read psychotronic right. video all the time. Yeah. And I like love that magazine. Video. Yeah. I love it. And I would I say, Oh my Batman God. Magazine. That, I, I, and then just like, there were so many great ones at the time. And I just wanted to be film threat sort of had its own niche, which was indie film. Right. That was our, that was what we focused on. And sometimes that crossed over into genre stuff. So um, certainly a lot of, you know, low budget underground films were horror, sci-fi, et cetera. So, 
So, yeah, I, I, you know, like, I just think that there was never a final word, right? Like, they said, you know, oh, it's on hold, or it's this, or whatever, and then, you know, it just sort of got forgotten. It, mm-hmm. it became like a lost film. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mike used to read these magazines, but he couldn't go see the film. He was young. He's not going down to the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan. So that's why right. we have this show today, because they're all on YouTube now. They're all on YouTube. Everything I read in Psychotronic, oh, wow. everything I read in my film books, and I had to take the really? film books. Yeah, well, because, you know, Fantastic Four, I read about it in Film Threat. I, I you know, and that was it. So I just had wow. a base. So thanks to YouTube, the great yeah. equalizer, I can just finally watch it. And then wow, just, that's great. Yeah. Now, what was George Gaines doing on set? I mean, we're talking Punky Brewster. We're talking uh, Police Academy. Did they know they had a star here? Why didn't yeah, they he was do the biggest name? Oh, uh, I don't know that. I don't know. <laughs> were you there to see about. George Gaines? No, I'm not sure if I met met him on set, and I probably would not know. I mean, I wasn't, like, even at the time, like, and I don't, I tend to not watch mainstream television of any kind. Like, uh, you know, people tell me constantly about the Big Bang Theory yeah. and stuff, and, like, I hate, I, I, I think I've watched that show, and I, I'm not, not a fan. So when it comes to, like, mainstream anything, I'm pretty blissfully unaware. So <laughs> I wouldn't have even known who he was anyways, because I never seen an episode of Punky Brewster. Were you there the day that they shot the classroom scene, which in, in the beginning, when he's sitting next to Ben Grimm? Uh, um, I don't think I was there. Okay, that. okay, because that was his big moment. That was his know? big moment. Yeah, yeah. I just think they should have used him. He was a big star. He could have been the Alfred the Butler to them or something. I don't know. They should have squeezed it in. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, now everyone at home, is poised to watch this film at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. They're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead and give us that celebrity countdown? Wait, wait, really? How, what yeah. am I counting down from? Three. Three. Okay, Three, two, one, right. go. But it's got to be paced. And so we, that we everyone, should... Why don't we go from four, three, two, one? Because of Fantastic Four? Yeah. Great. There you go. Okay. All right, so we're going to watch. we're going to watch the Fantastic Four the classic Roger Corman movie. And here we go. We're going to count down from four, three, two, one, play. All right. Very excited. Thank you for that celebrity comedian countdown. Wherever the celebrity New Horizons, that of course is. uh, We're about to watch Munchies, right? We'd have watched a few New Horizon videos, straight to video. Uh, This wasn't even straight to video. No, it wasn't released at all. You see how this, they, whoever put this up here for us, stuck, snuck in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in 1994, that was no such thing. If you don't know anything about this movie and you see that in the beginning, you're all right, ready to go. Right? All right. Yeah. Surprise. Hey, man, I watched, I watched 26 movies to get one storyline. I missed the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe movie. You got to watch it. Well, this is some trippy special effects already. Uh, do you hear the music? Should I? Well, I guess so. I mean, the people who wrote the music spent $6,000 of their own money to hire an orchestra. And we learned that from the documentary about this film. We should mention the documentary is, is almost as fun as the movie. It's called um, Doomed. Doomed which is the true story of this film where all the actors you see here in the opening credits, uh, Rebecca Stab takes a stab at it. Uh, 
Stop. <laughs> Michael Bailey Smith took a Smith at it. <laughs> he did. He, uh, oh. Oh, he was Ian triggered. Trigger. Yeah, he was triggered. Ian Trigger. So, um, yeah, it's okay. It's.
selling gold at this time. Soon to be platinum. Put the back on my door. You'll love this. You ready? Great. Rolls. Mm. Larry and Daryl here at my house. At whose house? 
Right now, I want to take the time. Yeah, good shot. Run your gun, Mechanic. I want to take the time to tell you about McCaffrey, even though you know everything. Oh, Daryl doesn't mind this, this camera. We started in 87, around December. And we've come a long way. And it's fans like you, and all of y'all are watching. I doubt they are. Fans like you made us what we are today. Now, you can buy any of the McCabry merchandise. Just send the list to me, and I'll... Any video cassettes we've ever made, including this one, even though you've already got it. You can have it, man, for money. You can just give us some money, and we'll give it to you. We won't jip you off now, because we want to... Oh, hold on. We have special guests Nikki, my dog. Okay. Remember, it's the official McCabry cam. You'll probably see it around the skating rink on Friday night soon. Having y'all being recorded, man. <laughs> so, whether you like it or, or you, you don't, don't like, like it, it, sit down and learn to love it. it.
exclamations in this mantra, Shri Ma, which respectfully addresses the Divine Mother, Kali Ma, Adhi Ma, Primal Mother, and Pahi Ma, which is Holy Mother. Each musical 
conclude our explorations in the yoga of sound, I would like to invite you to move your body in rhythm to a devotional mantra to Kali, the great feminine force and personification of Shakti as primal power. Start by standing with your right hand pointing upward and away from you. All your fingers are held close together. Your left hand is pointing downward. Once again, all your fingers are held close together. This beautiful gesture embodies the energy of all the great goddesses, offering solace to the suffering and blessing the world with divine grace. Begin to turn slowly and deliberately while maintaining this mudra. You will remember that to turn clockwise draws you into your deep center, while turning
while turning anti-clockwise, moves you outward into the world. Let your body move in the direction it feels most inclined to. Clockwise motion will draw all energy into your center, transforming it, while the opposite will allow energy to flow out of your deep center into the world, offering healing to where it is most needed at this time. Whatever images come to your mind, be aware that you are blessing and relieving suffering through chanting this mantra with devotion. There are four exclamations in this mantra.